I was reading the report, I saw what the plan was, and I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing what they came together to do. And this is something that I could work with. Uju, hello. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week, we have conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. Uh, these are entrepreneurs, artists, healers, you name it. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around this big point of purpose in our lives and amplifying Native voices, and we're continuing that today. So Leah, just to get it started, I'm great, Maria's great, Stanley's got a new groom, so he's doing awesome. What does that mean, but, a new groom? <laughs> or he's uh, freshly trimmed. Okay. Freshly trimmed. <laughs> yes, so with all that out of the way, I want to ask you how you're doing, because you just got back from a big old hike. I did. I am just freshly back. It's my first full day back in Grand Rapids. I was gone two weeks, two full weeks solo hiking on the Superior Hiking Trail. And we could talk about it for a whole half hour or more, but it was really magical. And also like I cried like five times. I have like horribly swollen bruised knees because apparently I... I, I don't know how to manage walking on even surfaces. So I did Ooh. mostly pretty well walking on the on the trail. But when I hit like asphalt or concrete, like I fell like a bag of potatoes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I am definitely pretty sore, but mostly happy. I made some buddies on the trail, killed a bunch of mosquitoes, <laughs> slapped a bunch. Was it really buggy? So it was incredibly buggy the first week I was out. The second week was beautiful. Um, Mm. But the first week was definitely very much uh, the mosquito's domain. The mosquito's time. And one day I ended up at a campsite and another person joined the campsite because you share a campsite when you're out on the trail. Um, There's multiple tent pads, so several people can stay at the same site. And this person, he was an older man and, you know, he was telling me how he was going to go out a couple nights and he's getting back into hiking. And then the next morning he packed up and left and was like, I'm going to my car. I can't stand it. (laughs) The mosquitoes are so (laughs) bad. He just packed it all up. And the bug out. Turned around. He bugged out. Yeah. (laughs) So as an example, like that's how bad the mosquitoes were is some people just straight up left. (laughs) <laughs> There's so many other questions I want to ask. The the top things are, yes, I did run into a bear um, and it ran away. <laughs> and <laughs> I did it because just sort of like reinforcing some self-confidence. I'm also turning yeah. 40 soon and felt like it was a good time to kind of celebrate that and remember, you know, that I'm extremely capable of surviving two weeks on my own. Of course, I wasn't just on my own because I did have some help resupplying. But yeah, yeah, overall, just trying to, you know, 
acknowledge and celebrate the strength that I can have on my own. Nice. Well, I'm I'm glad you're back home relatively unscathed and you had a good experience. Yeah. So <laughs> heck yeah. But yeah, so our our guest today I spoke with while you were on the trail, braving the trail, braving the bugs, the bears. Um, she's <laughs> and the someone Battlestar Galactica. And the battle beats Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> And she's been someone I've wanted to speak with for a while, and uh, she's been, you know, settling into a new and important position. Um, so when the availability came up, I had to spring on that. But yes, today our guest is Juliet Rudy, a Lower Sioux Indian community citizen and lifelong Minnesota resident. Rudy now leads Minnesota's new Office of Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives, or MMIR, in St. Paul. It's the first state office of its kind in the nation. And uh, Juliet and I had a great long chat. I certainly won't be able to highlight the whole thing, but I'm going to, you know, look in, but we're going to look at some key parts of the conversation and, you know, see what you think, uh, getting into her motivations, background, personal connection to the issue, things like that. I'm excited. So let's begin with just, you know, some introductions. My name is Juliet Rudy. I'm with the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Office. Uh, My office falls under the Department of Public Safety, um, Office of Justice Programs. I started this position February 28th, 2022, and it's a brand new office that was created as a direct result of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force. And for the next question, Leah, I know you like asking what's at the top of uh, uh, the guest's mind um, Mm -hmm. at the time. So here's her response for that one. Giving presentations and interviews on the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Office is on my mind a lot. Um, I want to make sure that I articulate all that the office is doing and that how we're moving forward with the work and and getting as many details in there so that people understand why the office was created, why we're doing this work, and why it's so important. So I was curious about, you know, what inspired her to get into public service. It's obviously a big part of her life. And she says it starts with her parents. Yeah, both my parents actually were in public service. And my dad um, definitely influenced me. Um, I remember the first time he came looking for us in the squad car on the reservation. We happened to be in a, a field of rhubarb. So we thought it would be great if we brought cups of sugar and sat in the rhubarb field and (laughs) eat rhubarb all day. We were very little. And so uh, my mom was worried. And it was actually, I would say, I would compare it being like four or five blocks away in the country. it's It's a rural setting. And so my dad came to look for us and ended up finding us. And we got to ride in his squad car in the back seat. And I remember sitting back there and thinking, wow, this is really cool. And I'll never forget it. It was very, very cool just to be in a squad car. And after that, um, so my dad, when we left um, Lower Sioux to go back into the city, my dad ended up getting a job with the Burnsville Police Department. And so I was hooked. 
I was like, he'd come home from work and I wanted to hear everything that he did. And a lot of times I couldn't, there was stuff that he couldn't share. And so I was always, you know, they, they would talk at night. My mom and dad would talk at night about my dad's day. And I'd always try to, to listen to see what happened. And that's when I was hooked on law enforcement. I knew, and my dad told me this when I told him I wanted to be a police officer. He um, he actually died when I was 12. And before he passed away, I was able to have a conversation with him about what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I told him I want to be a police officer. And he was, he was really um, kind of taken aback. And he didn't discourage me, but he did say that women, and there are not a lot of women in law enforcement. Um, so it'd be really difficult. And he said, um, wouldn't you want to be a doctor or a lawyer? And I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> not really. No, not my thing. But, you know, I listened and then, um, but then I didn't listen because <laughs> I ended up choosing law enforcement as a career. But what was super important to me was that I, I clearly could see that there weren't a lot of law enforcement officers that look like me. They're not a lot of women, not a lot of people of color. And I felt like that extra drive to show that someone like me could be a police officer and be a good police officer and be a great role model for women and people of color. So I was pretty driven at that point to, to get into law enforcement and make a difference um, for women and people of color. And I thought, you know, there I didn't know any, at that time, I didn't know any Native officers out there. And I think on the St. Paul Police Department, there was one man that um, retired before I came on that was Native. And I think I was the first female Native police officer um, with the St. Paul Police Department. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, our guest is Juliet Rudy, a Lower Sioux Indian community citizen who now leads Minnesota's new office of missing and murdered Indigenous relatives in St. Paul the first state office of its kind in the nation. Since beginning as a patrol officer with St. Paul Police in 1990, Juliet Rudy has been in public service for nearly 30 years. Uh, after uh, being a patrol officer, she served as a sergeant in divisions like juvenile investigations, missing persons, and the director of training. She later joined the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office in 2011, serving as the inspector under Sheriff of Administration Division and chief deputy. And she retired in 2017, but she felt she needed to do more, something focused on Native women and children. Uh, something she I found interesting during the interview, she said that when she was working in Ramsey County in St. Paul, she served the entire community, but uh, she felt compelled to hone her focus with uh, Native women and children. And soon enough, she had an opportunity to come by, uh, the director of the office of missing and murdered Indigenous relatives. So here's her talking about that. And as a reminder, you'll notice she mentions a task force multiple times. Uh, she's referring to the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force, which actually brought about the new office. So eventually, 
um, there was a lot of national coverage on the missing and murdered Indigenous women uh, groups all over the country. And, and I, I, kept, um, I kept track because my daughter was going through um, college and she was writing about um, MMIW. And I thought, well, I'm going to keep these articles for her for as reference and, and just keeping apprised of the situation and understanding why is this happening? What, what's going on here? And so I got a call that said, hey, this job is going to be posted. And I was like, oh, this should this is would be very interesting. So I had no idea that this job was created. Um, and, and there's a statute. There's a statute where this position was created. The director's position was created. I'd never even seen it until just like a couple months ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's totally what I want to do. And then, um, so I read the task force report, which is 163 pages. And I'm like, this document is amazing. It amazed me because it uh, was a bipartisan group of representatives and and then Senate, in the Senate and House of Representatives. And it was the 11 tribal nations that were represented. And it was uh, uh, Native urban community organizations, advocates. Um, it was this, this group of people that got together and they were, um, it was facilitated by Wilder Research. And this group got together and started in 2019. And by 2020, they had, um, a report on the M missing and murdered Indigenous women's epidemic. You know, they did research on why this was happening, and they and they managed to piece together some data. The data is in silos, so I give kudos to the research company, which is Wilder, where they were able to pull this information and then give it to um, the task force, and then they were tasked with. Um, there were five. Uh, areas they were to look at. And then they were, and then from those five areas, they came up with these 20 mandates. So when I read the report, I was like, this is a comprehensive framework on how this work can be done. Um, and I'm very like, I'm kind of, and I think it comes from, I don't know if it's my law enforcement background or just my thought process. And I've been called this before and I always thought it was a bad thing, but it's not. I'm a linear thinker. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I'm a linear thinker. What does that mean? So I had to Google it, right? So I'm very like, I like that structure and I like to start at a point and then work my way through and how I accomplish things. I'm a planner. And so when I saw the structure, I'm a very visual person too. And I was reading the report. I saw what the plan was. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing what they came together to do. And this is something that I could work with. And even though my office started from, I mean, it's the first office in the nation, um, a state office. Um, and so I was like, kind of like intimidated by that too. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first, the first office. I really better do a good job because <laughs> you know, people are going to be looking at this. So I'm like, but the task force 
came up with this framework on how to, to proceed. And so whenever I get like overwhelmed in a, or by the scope of the work, I go back and I look at the report and I go, okay, you're on track, Julie, you're doing these things. And then so when I have to report to the legislature in January, I can say, these are the mandates that I touched. This is, this is how I'm moving this work forward. And then, you know, with doing this, hopefully I can set up how the African-American uh, Missing and Murdered Women's Task Force um, can set up their office eventually um, if, that can, if that office um, gets funding. Yeah, I like that, you know, she's not only building a model for this uh this office, this new office, she's you know helping build models for future offices that you know, will eventually get funding down the line. So it's a lot of work, you can tell. Mm. I really appreciate how she realized that her way of thinking, that linear thinking, can be really useful. And that's why we all have different brains and different ways of thinking. Yeah. So it's just really great to be able to find work and a way to help the community that celebrates your thinking style and your work style. So it sounds like a great fit. It was good enough fit that she got the job. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, our guest is Juliet Rudy, a Lower Sioux Indian community citizen who now leads Minnesota's new Office of Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives in St. Paul. It's the first state office of its kind in the nation. She started in late February. Uh, so I asked her, you know, how it's been, you know, since she was appointed. I felt like I needed to immerse myself in the community to see what they were thinking and what they were expecting from this office, because that task force was made up of a lot of members in the community. So I've been visiting um, tribal nations, um, urban uh, Native community organizations, and and then just listening to you know their perspective on MMIW and what they think that the MMIR office should be doing, and it's very interesting how all of their all of what they were talking about is a lot of what's in the report, and I just felt like I needed to get out there and let them know that I was here and introduce myself. So I've been doing a lot of that. I mean, a lot of being out into the community and then letting them know who I am and then what resources are available to them right now. But right now I'm kind of getting into the weeds of some stuff because I get families that call and they want my help. And so I contact law enforcement and it's like, does that fall within the vision and the mission? I think it does. But I can't just do this by myself. So we're we're in the process of, uh, process of trying to figure out um, how uh, policy and procedure on how um, when people call, you know, I I will take the call. I'll take the call and I'll figure out where I can uh, find some resources or help people figure out what they need to do. Um, but right now it's like. What am I, what am I going to do? Not take the call? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, why am I getting in the weeds with some of these cases? Well, because in statute, it does say I have um, an obligation to do some case review. Okay. 
Now we're trying to find out or define what is case review. Well, to me, as a law enforcement officer, I know what case review is. (laughs) At least I think that. But then now is that if you don't define it, is it up for interpretation? So it's it's, that's kind of stuff that's challenging. Yeah. So you could tell that, you know, she has to helm this this big office uh, that has a lot of mandates to tackle. But she's also dealing with things on a very individual level people are calling her and you know like she can't ignore those calls so she's trying to find ways to you know get those procedures in place that help that can help people you know more and more well that's community work yeah that's working with community is on the one hand you know you have this big thing you're trying to tackle and in parallel you're in community and it's really interesting to hear that and and I guess a, a nod to the great work of you know the office and the task force um, that the report, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Task Force report to the Minnesota legislator, that the report reflects what's actually happening. So mm-hmm. it's a really positive sign to see that it's strong. It is based in community. So that that goes hand in hand community and the big picture and so uh, yeah as you mentioned um, the task force the missing and murdered indigenous women task force had 20 mandates or recommendations and her office is looking to address them all uh, these mandates include things like tackling systematic racism in all systems that interact with indigenous women and girls uh, a focus on eliminating poverty and meeting basic needs of indigenous women girls two-spirit people and others and uh, if you'd like to read the full report and mandates, you can Google uh, the Minnesota Task Force on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women report to read them all. At this time, uh, Juliet says she's narrowing the focus of the office uh, in an effort to tackle as many of those mandates as possible. I've kind of put it in four categories, and it's prevention, um, reporting, response, and making sure we have enough for victim resources. And those, so that's, those are the four areas that I'm going to focus on. Um, and then, and it's, it's bigger than that. I mean, we, we've got, you know, you've got health, uh, addiction issues, uh, you know, family, family um, dynamics, uh, things that, you know, poverty, you know, homelessness, um, all, all of that um, can play a role into MMIR, but for me, I I folk I'm going to focus on those four areas because I feel like if I focus on those four areas, then I'll be able to make a difference. Clearly, these categories she mentioned: prevention, reporting, response, and victim resources are all pretty tall orders and will take a lot of work. Um, but Juliet. She's up for the task, and she feels she's the right person for the job, considering her background in public service, insights as a former police officer and leader in law enforcement, and as someone who has a personal connection to this epidemic. I'm determined to make some type of difference um, for the victims and the victims' families and survivors, because it's just sad when I have people call um, about a missing family member or they were murdered and they're, they feel like there was no justice done. You know, and I have a cousin that's been missing since 2017. You know, I've had a cousin that was murdered and 
bludgeoned to death with no justice. And then, you know, I have a friend who lost his daughter to gun violence. He was a native officer that I worked with at the same, well, he was with Minneapolis PD and it was the Native American Law Enforcement Summit. And he said to me, he said that we need to do more. We need to do more in our community and we need to be better. We need to make things better. And so um, when I visit with law enforcement, I say, you know what you would do if your family was missing, your family member was missing or your family member was murdered. You know what to do, but there, the community, the native community, you know, they might not trust or they might, and I've been finding they don't trust or they don't know what to do. And that's why I'm here. And I'm here to be a voice um, for native people and to make sure that they're getting, um, getting the right resources and getting the right response and the right reporting and the right services. And because, you know, people in the criminal justice system, they know exactly what to do if something happens, if their loved one goes missing or is murdered and, and how to hold uh, law enforcement accountable and, and the systems even, um, you know, even the courts are mean though, all these systems need work. But like I said, I know there's good work going on out there. That's not, I'm not saying that there's not, but we definitely uh, could improve on it for Native people because the mortality rate for Native people in the state of Minnesota um, in every category is the worst. And I'm just like, now, how is this? How can, how can we stand by and not do something about this? I really appreciate what Juliet is sharing with us. Yeah. Society, law enforcement, all of these systems are so complex that I I feel like generalizing is is a tough thing to do. So I really appreciate what Juliet's talking about. Like there are well-established methods that are followed through that law enforcement can utilize and does know how to proceed. So if we have this understanding coming from, like, you know how to do your job, I'm here to, like, support. So there are better outcomes. Like, that is powerful. There are issues, but let's work towards better outcomes. So Juliet Rudy is now in the process of hiring more people from the new office uh, to tackle these mandates. Um, they include a violence prevention officer to help with victim services, an intelligence specialist to help centralize data and be a resource for tribal law enforcement, and lastly, a community planner who will help uh, with a public dashboard and with the strategic plan for the office. And again, there's so much more from our chat uh, that I wish we could include, and you know, hopefully we'll have her back on at some point in the future to check on her and her office's progress. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so. That's what I keep thinking this whole time. Like, I can't yeah. wait to hear what's going on next year. Or the yeah, next year. <laughs> so just, a, just a little little intro to her and, you know, her motivations and all that stuff. But there's clearly a lot happening in the future and a lot happening now. So definitely uh, it was great to hear from her and, mm-hmm. and all the good stuff that she's doing.
So thank you to Juliet Rudy. She's the new director of the Office of Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives in St. Paul. Uh, we'll have links to that office, uh, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force report, and more in the show notes. So check out minnesotanativenews.org for that. Great, Cole. Thank you for doing that interview. It was really wonderful to hear from Juliet. So hopefully I can talk to her too someday. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabanen. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.